Good morning. Welcome to Ask Andy, a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me at 215-259-3687 or on the web at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com. I wanted to talk to you today about something that may not be apparent and may not be of concern to 99% of people looking for personal injury uh, lawyering, but it's something that is a huge part of what goes on in personal injury practice in the background. So the issue is, you know, how well financed is your personal injury lawyer? Now, what does that mean? Well, for the most part, personal injury cases get better when we as lawyers spend money to improve them. And what do I mean by that? Well, we can get an orthopedic surgeon who's sort of a cut rate hack, who's not going to have a lot of credibility, or we can get your own doctor who may be willing to participate, sometimes will, sometimes won't. But if you get a doctor at Rothman who did your surgery and you're happy with him and he's willing or she's willing to participate, the Rothman docs will pay or will charge you know, five or six grand just to write a report and testify at a video deposition. That's not even coming to court. If you want them to come to court, they'll charge you 10 grand. But if you have a complicated situation and you really want to, you know, impress the jury, sometimes you want them to come to court. Sometimes it's just not possible. Either way, you're in the hole as a lawyer, $5,000, $10,000 depending Usually we'd say 5000 for a Rothman doctor to testify and, and another 1000 for the report beforehand. So you're out six grand. You could do it more cheaply for, you know, $750 for a report. And then if you try and settle the case before you have to do videos, then, you know, you're saving $5,000 out of your client's pocket and also out of your pocket. But if you're a well-financed lawyer and a well-backed lawyer financially, then you can afford to push cases into a further, you know, more aggressive posture at trial. You don't have to be worried about trial expenses. We, you know, we're always cognizant or aware of trial expenses because ultimately they come out of the client's pocket. But we front the expenses. We are the bank. So you don't want to get yourself hooked up with a lawyer who can't afford to pursue your case properly. And let me give you an example. So I have a client who, you know, has a lifelong injury as a result of, you know, a car accident. I'm going to need an orthopedic surgeon to explain his injury. But in court in Pennsylvania, I'm not allowed to talk about future expenses in any sort of defined way without someone who's either a life care planner or an economist. So I can't talk about the wages my guy's going to lose because he can't go to work full time or he can't do overtime. So I need an economist. An economist is going to charge me as the lawyer and the client, you know, $3,500 to $5,000 to go all the way through a video deposition at trial. 
So then you've got 5000 for the orthopedist, 5000 or 3500 for the economist. Maybe you need a life care planner. Maybe someone needs to give, you know, my client epidural steroid injections for the next 15 years to help his back pain because he's really not a candidate for surgery, but he can't take, you know, narcotics either because he's got to go to work and, you know, he has a real job. So then you need someone who's going to sketch out for the jury in the court, hey, look, this guy needs $6,000 in medical care for the next 15 years. He's 50. He'll work till 65. And then he's going to need more care after that, but he'll be on Medicaid. So, you know, let's say 10 grand a year, 15 years, that's $150,000. Now, anyone could do that math, but in court, in order to get that stuff admissible or to get it before a jury, I need to have someone with the authority to say it. It's not enough that the lawyer says it. And most of the orthopedists don't know this stuff because they just do surgery. They don't do billing. So oftentimes you need a life care planner or someone like that. So now let's say in a decent size motor vehicle case where your, you know, demand is $600,000, you know, is it worth it to spend $20,000 on experts? Absolutely. Now, what happens if you as the client, you know, end up with a lawyer who can't afford it, who doesn't have 20 grand to lay out? What do you do then? Do you even know what's going on? Or is the lawyer going to pressure you to settle your case before he or she has to really apply funds to it? Pretty much the rule is among me and my peers is that you need to spend money on these personal injury cases to really make them valuable. And if you don't spend the money, they won't be valuable. Now, that's not true for all cases, but it's true for for the, the bigger of the cases. So is there any way to figure out whether your lawyer has the financial wherewithal to pursue your case? I haven't really figured that out. I'll tell you that I have uh, lines of credit with um, backers who have supplied me with hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, available credit to spend on cases. I'll tell you that I have a pot of money that's specifically assigned for expenses on cases that haven't even come in, come in yet. And I'll tell you that as cases settle over the years, they pay out and I get those expenses back and it goes back either into my pocket, into the practice or into the pot of money for future expenses. But I'll also tell you that when I was qualifying for these lines of credit, I was told that most personal injury lawyers have terrible credit. They're overextended. They have second mortgages or lines of credit out on their homes and they can't qualify for the lines, you know, the lines of credit that I have. I was shocked. It, it just was shocking to me. I don't know. Uh, it's not personally how I run my life or my business, but I was pretty surprised. And I thought to myself, you know, this is something worth mentioning. I don't know how you figure it out. I don't know it's particularly helpful, but it's an issue uh, that, you know, you should be aware of. Because, you know, what happens if you're the client? You don't know. You don't know if your lawyer has the money to spend. And what happens if the lawyer's telling you, well, we really should settle this case? And they're only telling you that because they don't want to spend the money or more concerningly, they don't have the money to spend. So, you know, at any given time, I have a hundred to $200,000 out on cases. And, you know, perhaps for some of the bigger law firms, that's not a big deal. But 
you know, it allows me to spend money on cases where I want to spend money. And finally, you know, this goes back to referring cases to other lawyers. If I find a case that I think is going to eat up too much of my available funds, I will refer that case out to a lawyer who's got more more of a bank than I do. That's just the way it works. That's good practice. And, and that's sort of smart because then the client won't be hamstrung by the need to, uh, you know, parse out my funds on my cases. So that's about enough for today. If I have more thoughts on that, I'll try and put them together in another podcast. But basically, you know, you do want to make sure somehow that your lawyer is willing to spend money on cases, that they have some sense of what your case is going to cost to pursue, and that that is worth pursuing. You know, at the same time as the client, you got to understand that you don't want to spend 20 grand on a case where, you know, your recovery might be 60 grand because then the lawyer is going to take 20 grand, the expenses will take 20 grand, and you might end up with 20 grand. Uh, and there might be a healthcare lien, you might end up with less. So, prudence, good judgment, and uh, having a good, well backed personal injury lawyer is always a good way to be. That's it for today. I'm Andrew Newworth. This is Ask Andy. I hold people accountable.